And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to episode 8 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Stephen Ellsworth. And I'm Brett Dubuff. And today we're going to be talking about, uh, amongst other things, two superstars in uh, current slumps. Uh, they're doing their best to get out of it. Both of them are on star-studded teams. Uh, we're talking Sidney Crosby and Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, we'll talk about that as well as uh, the Central Division being too darn strong and the Hawks not being strong enough. And uh, also a little bit about the New Jersey Devils. They are on some kind of a roll right now. Uh, as well, Gabriel Landis-Cog suspended. Marchand fined. Uh, we will talk about that as well. And finally, fighting and high-scoring games are not dead in today's NHL. And we saw why, courtesy of one team. We'll talk about them as well. But first, I'd like to get your take, Brett, on uh, Sidney Crosby and Ryan Getzlaff. Both of them are struggling. Has age caught up with them, or can they return to their all-star forms? Yeah, um, yeah we've sort of held off on talking about these two. Uh, just for a while, just because I felt, I was pretty sure they'll get back to form, pretty sure, and they they I I think they still will. Um, I just wanted to throw some numbers out before we just start talking, discussing about it. Uh, Crosby hasn't been terrible per se. He has nine points in seventeen games, but definitely not what we're used to from him. Uh, Getzlav was injured for a bit, so it's kind of tough to say if it's if it's if he's still a little bit injured. But he hasn't scored a goal yet, so um, and in his 13 games, he has five assists and no goals. Um, I'd include Perry and Malkin in this, but they've managed a bit better. Um, you know, as as if you look at the standings, the Ducks are like the Ducks as a whole haven't been so good either. But Getzlav has been bad as well, so that's um, a bit th- uh, weird. Getzlav is 30 years old, and Crosby is 28. I believe they both went into the league at the same time 10 years ago. Um, I think Getzlav is a 10-year... Yeah, Getzlav has been in the league for 10 years, and so has Crosby. Um, yeah, for me, I think... It's kind of... It's it's weird for me, because I... Um, right, just the question is, so will they get back to their form, or is age catching up with them? I... I think Crosby has the better chance of getting back to form just because he's a little bit younger. Um, it's kind of funny for me because I I was so excited this year because I finally got Crosby on my fantasy team, and now <laughs> and now of all years he uh, he doesn't um, you know he doesn't perform as well. So I'm I'm still hopeful. Like he has a couple of games where he's like he has like two assists or three assists, and then. And then he has games where then he just goes into a long streak where he hasn't been there before. Um, As for Getzlav, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't seen too many Ducks games. But, I mean, it is clear that the Ducks, I mean, they just weren't good when he was in the game. And and he wasn't great when he was out of the game either. So it's like, um, but they looked even worse when he was out of the game, I should say. So it's like... um, I feel like once Getzlav gets going, then the Ducks will get going. Um, but I don't know if that will happen sooner or later, you know. Um, yeah. 
What do you like, think? I'm, I'm just I'm just looking right now um, at the stats. Uh, like five assists for Ryan Getzlaff. Four of them has come over his last five games. Um, now they they came in spurts. Obviously, he got one assist in one game, but he uh, hasn't. This is the game after he put up yeah. three helpers. So right. it, it, I wouldn't say he, he's busted out of his slump just yet. Right, but I he's certainly shown more positive signs than Sidney Crosby. And 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 here's he, here's here's the thing with with Sidney Crosby and Ryan Getzlaff. As I Star-studded teams. Right now, the Ducks need to stay hot, and they've gone cold in the wind department since their four-game winning streak was snapped. But they're scoring more. In the long run, that bodes well. The Penguins are getting by because of the competition they've got to deal with. If you look in the East, it's obviously weaker than the West. That bodes well for Crosby and company. Uh, and you look at where Crosby and company are in the standings. You look at where Anaheim is in the standings. It goes without saying, more pressure is on Ryan Getzlaff to break out of his slump because right. they need him to produce in Anaheim. Crosby, yeah. they can afford to wait a little bit more because they're in the Eastern Conference. But in the do-or-die Western Conference, you need a guy like Ryan Getzlaff at his A game. And if he's not, then your team is going to suffer. And the Ducks have. That's true. I mean, well, the Penguins have Malkin and Kessel now and Latang, who are all scorers too. So there's the Crosby isn't as relied on as he was in his, earlier in his career. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, Getzlaff, the Ducks have Perry and Kessler, so those are about equal, kind of, I guess. I guess Kessel and uh, Malkin are a bit better than Perry and uh, Kessler. But, um, yeah, it's it's interesting in terms of, um, yeah, that's a good point, though, with the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, where the Western Conference is a lot stronger, um, as we'll talk about with the Central Division, and so, like, yeah, the Ducks need Ryan Getzlaff to get back. I was just looking, you were, you mentioned that uh, he had a three-assist game and then he had a one-assist game, but then his last three games he hasn't scored yet, or he hasn't scored, so um, so he hasn't really busted out yet, um, also because right. he hasn't scored a goal yet. But, like, I, I think back to, like, uh, back... I think, was it two years ago or three years ago when uh, Giroux hadn't scored a goal for like the first 20 games or so? Yeah. And then all of a sudden he just starts scoring at will almost. So it's like, I, th- I think there's still hope for these two because we know what they're capable of. Um, I do think though that since like Crosby's 28, Getzlav's 30, I don't think they'll they'll produce as much as they used to. Um right back, you know, as they used to just because of their age, because uh, this is around the time when there's, when they're, when they start declining and that kind of stuff, but I don't think they're completely, like, dead, so to speak. Um, it is, it actually makes you think that, like, guys like Ovechkin and Malkin are, like, still doing, and Perry are still doing pretty well um, without, you know, and they're around the same age as these guys, so... Um, he kind of gives credit to those guys even more. Um, all right. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's right now, I guess it's still kind of early, even though they've played like 20 games or so. That's true. But uh, we're yeah. getting to the stage, you know, where at one point 
what time does it's still early in the season not become an excuse anymore? And yeah, that's a good point. I, we're, we're, we're nearing that point, I think. Yeah, we are nearing that point. I'd say, I'd say at like around Thanksgiving, if they aren't, you know, back already, then we should really at worry. At the very latest Christmas, if they're not, not up to snuff and they're not picking it up, yeah, then yeah. They're, then they're definitely definitely need to throw some red flags. Exactly. Um, all right, let's talk about the next team. So, uh, uh, yeah, so the Central is kind of on fire now. We got, we briefly mentioned this before, but. Um, they're uh, they're a really good division. They're by far the best division if you look at the stats right now. I mean, like I guess I may be biased, but I guess the Atlantic is close. But it's it's tough to beat the Central Division. We have the Nashville Predators who beat the Jets on Saturday seven to zero, and then they beat your Senators on Tuesday seven to five, and then they somehow lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs two to one. Or well, they I got a point at least. Yeah, they got they got a point at least. I should say the Toronto Rhymers, uh, because Rhymer has basically um, been the um, has carried that team on his back. But yeah, um, fun, fun fact about James Rhymer: he leads the Toronto Maple Leafs in franchise history with the most forty-plus win saves by Maple Leafs goaltender. He's got fourteen of them in his career. Wow, which is astounding. Yeah, especially for the Maple Leafs, you know, because they yeah, have a history of that. Especially considering he was the odd man out two years ago, and everyone's like, yeah. yeah, we shouldn't bring him back, and they bring him back for two years, and look at him now. Yeah, it's true. It kind of reminds me back when, like, Tim Thomas was uh, around for the Bruins, where, like, everyone was kind of counting him out, and then, yeah, right. you know, and then he has, like, three Vezina Trophy years, he has that crazy uh, playoff run, and now, like, and then other times he just looks like the worst goalie in the league. So I guess it's um, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So then we have the Nashville Predators. Dallas has three of their t- three players in the top ten points leaders, and Sagan, Ben, and Klingberg. I believe Klingberg's like in top. It might be top five actually. Now that I think, I think about. he's. I think he leads the defenseman in scoring at last check. Yeah, yeah. I, I think by far though. More, more points than Carlson. Uh yeah. Um, I believe it's by far. I'm gonna just double check, but yeah, they've they've looked good. They lead the they lead the central. Uh, then we have Minnesota, um, who's who's looked good too. Um, yeah, ten and ten, three and three after their first sixteen. They're actually in a three way tie for second place. There are three teams tied in that division yeah. with twenty three points. We mentioned Minnesota. And we Nashville. mentioned uh, Nashville with the same identical record as yeah. Minnesota. But they have two fewer regulation plus overtime wins. And then we have, yeah, then we have St. Louis. Um, I the thought, other 23 point yeah, team. Yeah, the other 23-point team. I thought St. Louis uh, was going to regress this year or just be be worse this year just because they lost T.J. Oshie. But I yeah. guess uh, Jake Allen has picked it up, and um, Tarasenko is the real deal. Um, in that, um, and and you know you're they're, they're one of those. Just wait until the playoffs, teams. So. Exactly, that's true. It's true. I mean, well, yeah. Right now, at this point, everyone was praising Tarasenko last year. So, um, and like I believe they were winning the division, and then, um, yeah, exactly. You have to wait till the playoffs, but they're in a good spot right now, just in the middle of things. Um, and then, and then you, you have the defending Stanley yeah, yeah. Cup champions. I was about to say, yeah, you know, you know, you're a strong division when the Chicago Blackhawks 
are yeah, in it, so, fifth yeah. in the division. Um, yeah, they're also an interesting team too because they um, well they just got Duncan Keith back. Patrick Kane looks strong. Jonathan Taze knows how to win in uh, in overtime. That's beneficial for him. Um, then you have uh, Winnipeg. Um, we'll talk about the fighting going on in Nashville and Winnipeg in a moment. Um, and then I just wanted to briefly the Jets, mention... The Jets are a 500 team, but they, they went off, they got off to a pretty decent start. Yeah. And then their defense has just gotten over the past three, four, five games absolutely exposed. And their goaltending numbers, if you look at them, they've suffered because of it too. Yeah, no, I was about to say, Pavlich and, um, uh, Hutchinson were, uh, um, yeah, they were they were pretty good at the early in the season, yeah, and then all of a sudden they you know they haven't uh, performed as well. But yeah, that could also just be due to defense not doing as well. And in this kind of in this division, when you have guys like Sagan, Ben, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, and like Parise, um and Tarasenko, you know you need you need good defense. So um, it's really just. The defense, which is why it's surprising that Dallas is doing so well now, yeah. uh, just because their you know their defense used to be their weak point. But then when you have guys like Klingberg and Goligoski, you know you you can um, I guess that you know they've improved. They they can find a way to get by. Uh, yeah, and we'll we'll also talk about Colorado really soon too uh, with Duchesne and Landeskog. Um, they're, they're coming off but, a six-one win over Montreal. Yeah, but yeah, I was about to mention they. This podcast is being recorded. They scored six against Montreal, and Greg Arenko had yeah. three points in one period. Yeah, and um, Duchesne and Aginla, after trade rumors, have like been on fire lately. Um, yeah. Duchesne has eight points in uh, three three games this week. So um, yeah, they they look good too. Um, you know, you don't count them out either. So I think. It's like I was gonna ask, like, if this is the strongest division, and I don't even think it's a even a question anymore. It's not a contest <laughs> yeah. whatsoever. I mean, the Atlantic is the second strongest. Yeah. But you, you, other than Montreal, you look at all the other teams, and they're like hovering around five hundred. Right. And Toronto, you look but yeah. At this division, and the only one who's below five hundred is Colorado, who is dead last, seven and nine and one. Mm-hmm. Um, without a doubt, the Central Division is the division to beat. Yeah, the, the crazy thing, too, about that is that the Central has one less team than, yeah. um, than yeah, exactly. the Atlantic and Metro. So, um, so yeah, they're not, they're not even, I mean, it may have a difference, like, if Las Vegas or, uh, I, I don't think Quebec City would join that, but, like, if... If one of them, te- if one of their the expansion teams join the central, um, you know, watch out because I guess then it would be worse. But uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it'd be kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to really say about that. It's just that uh, it should be mentioned that the central division is a good division. <laughs> um, and just far. imagine if two people. On these trading rumors, get traded to that division too. True. Imagine how much of a seismic shift the, the balance of power is going to change in the Western Conference. Wait, what do you mean, two of the people? Well, um, there's there's two people subject to trade rumors right now. Duchesne, Patrick Marlowe, and Matt Duchesne. Right, but oh, but Marlowe wouldn't go to the Central. Eh, 
don't be so sure. Okay, okay. Well, we'll, sure. we'll talk about that there in a bit. things have happened. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, that was a hint to a segue, yeah, by the yeah. way. I guess you didn't bite on that. <laughs> uh, do you want... I mean, I was going to talk about the fighting uh, with Winnipeg yeah, and uh, Nashville. Yeah, well, that's, that's too good to wait on until a while. Let's talk about that now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have... I, I mean, I should have caught on, I guess. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, the... Uh, yeah, so I guess the fighting. Um, yeah, if you saw Nashville beat Winnipeg seven to nothing, as we mentioned before, um, it was kind of it was a crazy game. There was at one point where there was like Nashville had like six guys in the penalty box, and um, Jets I think had roughly the same amount of people too. Yeah, yeah, and then Winnipeg did too. Yeah, it was like uh, it's just a funny image to think about it, but it does. And, and you see. The image of Pecorine leaving his crease. Yeah, yeah. He just goes into the pile. He's just looking for a dance party. He's like, no, yeah. okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was reading. I, I, I didn't watch it because I was watching the Bruins at the time, so I, I it, didn't it get to so, see the game. It was so casual and yeah. an offside or whatever, and Mark Shifley somehow caught his old yeah. man. I was, I was watching. I was, yeah, I wasn't watching the game, but I heard that there was like a point in the game where the. Um, like when there, like each team had was had like three on three because they thought um, that's how many people should be on when it really should have been like a five on five, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. I guess they knew it wasn't going to overtime, so yeah. they're just like, "Hey, yeah. it's not going <laughs> to It's because there were so many penalties that they had to like they, they everyone was confused as to how many people were on. Um, yeah, there were seventy plus penalties yeah. handed out for national, and I think. 80, close to 85 for the Jets. Um, yeah, the so uh, this it brought us back to uh, back in the 80s when this when kind of stuff. When goal scoring was high, in which yeah. case it was in this game too. Well, from one team, yeah. From but, one um, team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, two goals over the, the annual five goals, uh, the average five yeah. goals a game per NHL contest. Um, and, yeah, so it just got us to thinking – um, about fighting in the NHL, how it's it's also gone down, um, much like scoring um, has. So it's 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 uh, interesting. Um, it's always been an interesting question for years: is like, should fighting be in the game or not? Um, yeah. And I guess I'll go first with my take. I. I mean, I, I don't mind fighting. I understand it's a part of the game. Um, that being said, I feel like if you want to get casual viewers to watch the game, like if you want to get my mom to watch the game, you you probably don't want to have fights. Um, well, yeah. And there, there's a time and a place for fighting. Yeah. And I if think... you want to stick up for your teammate, drop yeah. in the gloves, yeah, and all that. And I um, think... If you want to sell the story, yeah, there, there's a time and a place for it. But there, when games are getting out of hand and you're yeah. trying to send a message, that I, I, that's when I kind of, that's when I, that, that's when it becomes kind of a turnoff. Yeah, that's uh, true. I, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in, indifferent towards it because I think sometimes, like uh, earlier in the year, I forget. Um, and blanking on who they were playing, but Kevin Miller, like, had a fight against, um, someone, and then the Bruins, after that, the Bruins just 
got re-energized, and then, you know, they just kept on scoring, and they ended up winning the game. And blanking on the team, they were playing the Bruins. But, um, the, uh, yeah, so I guess there are some times where, like, fighting does matter, but it's still, um, it's always interesting because you can't, because I feel like if you're, if you're just a casual watcher, someone who doesn't know anything about the sport, you you think this is more comparable to, you know, that you think hockey is more comparable to boxing or UFC compared to yeah. what it should be, like football or soccer, you know? Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting debate to have. I mean, it's, it's a lot like scoring in the league, too. It's like, you know, the people who are diehard fans are going to watch it either way. I mean, I don't think, like, if they took fighting away, would you still watch hockey? If they took fighting away, well, if, if there was plenty of scoring and players like uh, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and John Klingberg, there are plenty of reasons to watch hockey. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so that that's the other thing, too, is, like, if they took away, um, if they just took away fighting and didn't try to get scoring, I feel like all, like, diehards like you and me and many other yeah, hockey fans would still watch, but I'm not, yeah. I'm... It, it's it's one of those brains beats broads every time, you know. Yeah, and I feel like if they did that, then it might be more commercialized. So then it could be more like a football thing, where it's like, yeah, it's physical, but it's not like this turns into a you know a cage match um, every few seconds. Um, but uh, you know, I I don't mind it. I know it's part of the game, so. I, it's, it's, it's a, I'm kind of like indifferent on that. I can see both sides to it. Um, let's, uh, just a heads up. I think we're done with the fighting conversation. I felt like we're a hockey podcast and we're debating stuff. So I felt like we had to talk about it. Offensive wise and sticking up for your teammates wise. Don't mess with the national predators. Yeah. And especially it's kind of interesting now that the predators, are scoring, um, you know, they, for so many years under Barry Trotz, they haven't scored, and now... Yeah, they're a defense-first team. I mean, offense-first team, but yeah. <laughs> um, well, now they're offense-first, I guess. <laughs> um, so, speaking of offense, uh, Matt Duchesne and Patrick Marlowe, who have been offensive uh, threats throughout their career, um, this week was big for the rumoring mill um, for both these guys. Uh, first, I think early in the week, I believe it was Monday, Marlou said that he'd accept a trade to either Los Angeles, Anaheim, or the Rangers. Um, the Sharks would probably not trade him to their two rivals in the division, especially those two. Um, and the Rangers are kind of stuck with their cap situations. They don't have a ton of picks or prospects to really trade for a guy like Marlou. Um so this might be Marlou's way of saying he, that he just doesn't want to leave San Jose. However, it appears that you think differently. Steve. Right. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> so. Sorry about that. Everything okay? Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, I was just, I was just opening up uh, the, 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 the link there. Uh, so if you, if you heard if you heard any ads or whatever, I guess I don't have like ad block and it uh, just I didn't hear any. Up, so. No, I didn't hear any. 
Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay, then you didn't hear it. That's good. Uh, you might want to play back and, and just confirm. But um, basically, yeah, we'll uh, I'm, I'm looking at the, the list of five possible trade destinations for Matt Duchesne. This is from Sportsnet.ca. Oh, we were talking about Patrick Marleau for now, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. It's okay. Uh, it's all right. Uh, I mean, we can... Ignore what I just said. I offered, uh, my apologies. Um. See, it's a matter of whether or not the Rangers can afford him. I mean, yeah. they already have his former teammate Dan Boyle under contract. They have Keith Yandel that's going to be a free agent at the end of this season. Um, you know what? That that could be a that could be a potential trade destination if they're going to trade Keith Yandel and they're going to get another experience forward like Patrick Marlowe, kind of to replace uh, what they lost in Martin Saint Louis. Uh, then I can see Patrick Marlowe going to the Rangers for yeah. Keith Yandel, provided Keith Yandel signs in San Jose. But again, honestly, if he does, if he does leave, he'll go to a cup contender. That goes without saying. That's usually right. Where, where guys, veterans like Patrick Marlowe go, where they the have one stamp up, they're going to go to a team that hasn't won the cup yet. The thing or, about uh, that, that that that's the best chance of winning. The thing about Rangers and Marlowe is that the Rangers are stuck in the salary cap. Well, yeah. And, and then, and they don't have a... Gonna, if you're going to trade Keith Daniel, trade to San Jose, because yeah. that's one of the big name guys that's on the cap. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, so you would trade yeah. Keith Yandel back. Yeah, I guess they could do that. And then I think the other... Needs defense. Their best defenseman yeah. is, is Mark Edward Vlasic, and Brent Burns is kind of a hybrid forward defenseman. Right. So. That's true. Um, and then you also have, um, well, and then the other thing is that the Rangers, I think they don't have a, I don't think they have a first round pick um, either because of that Yandel yeah, trade. Yeah, that's true. And they don't have um, many prospects. Um, also, the Sharks, I should brag here, is the Bruins, the Sharks don't have a first round pick either. Um, they uh, the Bruins have it through that Martin Jones trade, so I'm I'm reading for. Do you think it's possible that the Bruins make a trade for Patrick Marlowe? Um. Well, we need more help on defense, so I doubt it. Yeah, and um, that's probably what the yeah. Sharks are asked for in return. And the other thing is, is that because I, I Patrick Marlowe has been in the has been on the Sharks for 18 years, which I didn't realize until yeah, I saw all I these articles. Yeah, I didn't realize it was for that long, actually. Yeah. Um, so he has a no-movement clause, so that means he, yeah. he gets to approve any trade, so he can say, like, no to any team that they want him, want to trade to. So it's like, I don't think the Sharks are going to try to trade him to L.A. or San Jose, um, and it'll be difficult for the Rangers. Um, and obviously Chicago's him. up against the Caps, so there's no way he goes there. Right. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I think, and, and he would have to, yeah, he'd have to go to all these teams. Oh, is that what you were talking about with the central? And yeah, kind of too. Like, you know, you got a lot of teams that are going to be gunning for the Stanley Cup this year. Right. Uh, and probably a good batch of them would be in the central division. So, True. but again, Chicago's up against the cap. So unless they're, they're probably going to have to give up a lot to get a guy like yeah. Patrick Carlo. And, and they're, they're the kind of team that, you know, they got guys like Panarin and Teravain, and they don't really need a Patrick Marlowe in their lineup. It's true, yeah. They're strong. They're set forward-wise. Um, but, I mean, it's also, like, I feel like since Marlowe listed those three teams that would that would make it really tough for the Sharks, I don't think... I it, think it, this would is, really, it would really put their hands tied. Just yeah. like 
kind of like yeah, what Danny Eadley did for Brian Murray, you know. He, <laughs> he, he, went, he had a good trade in Edmonton lined up, and Eadley rejected it. That's the only reason the trade didn't happen. Again, I'm yeah. excited. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I, I don't expect a guy like Patrick Marlowe to, to get moved unless something develops between now and the trade deadline. And yeah. if, if he does get moved, it will be at the deadline. Well, yeah, that was yeah, that was my point. Is that like I think this was just Marlowe's way of saying like you better not trade me. Um, the uh, so yeah, so the other rumor mill story is uh, Matt Duchesne, which is a little bit more interesting because. There is a li- tiny bit more chance that uh, he could get traded. The Avs are said to be looking for a defenseman. Um, you know, the Avs also have Landeskog and McKinnon, so they do have. Um, they're kind of set with centers, but according to this article from Joe Pack of Sportsnet uh, that you sent me, Steve, there are five teams that are really interested in Duchesne. Of course, every team is interested in him, but they listed these five teams that are um, that have a good chance of getting him. Uh, so Montreal, Ottawa, Columbus, Nashville, and New Jersey. Um, we should mention that Duchesne has been on fire this week. I did mention that before. Uh, he got two goals and one assist against the Flyers, got an assist and the game-winning goal against the Bruins. He also got a goal and two assists against the Habs yesterday. So that's eight points in three games. Um, so I guess we know what motivates Matt Duchesne. So do you think um, Duchesne will be going anywhere? And um, if, if he's going I, I anywhere. I think he will. It's just a matter of where and when. Um, like the Ottawa Senators, from what I hear, there are reports. I don't know if it's reports, but just my assumption that we're probably going to have to give up someone like Mika Zibanejad, a defenseman prospect, and a first, second, maybe third round pick. And that's too much for a guy like Matt Duchesne. The Ottawa Senators, first and foremost, everyone saw what they did last year without Matt Duchesne, just them as a team, playing like a team. And look at what they did. They went to the playoffs on probably one of the biggest roles in NHL history. They don't need a guy like Matt Duchesne. They just need to play as a team. So Ottawa can survive without Matt Duchesne. Montreal, on the other hand, it's... It's been reported that for a while now that they need a top six forward. And Matt Duchesne would, and, well, I don't know if a top six forward is the right way to put it, but they need someone who can score goals. They right. can't just rely on patches. So, and Placanic, uh, but yeah. But, but yeah, so Montreal I definitely think is a realistic destination. They don't have the best crop of defense. There's no way they're trading PK. Uh, right. But Montreal, I, I see Andre Markov as being expendable. The problem with Colorado is they're probably the last thing they don't want. The last thing they want is an aging defenseman. They <laughs> want a defenseman that's going to provide stability for years and years and years, not just for this year, next year, and best case scenario, the one after that. And yeah, I that's... think that's basically Markov. That's all he's got left. So. Um, it'll probably be like someone like Bulio and Bornaval going the other way, but I doubt it. So it depends on what Colorado's going to ask from Montreal in return. Nashville, they've got probably the deepest decor, so I think it'd be the easiest to make a trade with Nashville. The problem is, do they... they 
because Colorado and Nashville play in the Central Division, as we alluded to earlier in this podcast. Right. So, Nashville, if you want the most bang for your buck in regards to Matt Duchesne, Nashville, in my opinion, based on your needs and wants, is the best team to trade with. Yeah, it's but, but it's how much they're going to want back uh, yeah. that determines if Duchesne leaves. New Jersey, New Jersey, it's a, it's an interesting because they they've been surprisingly good offensively this year with yeah. Mary and Camilleri and Henrique has been playing good. Schneider's been holding his own between the pipes. They've won ten of their last thirteen games after dropping their first four. They sit third in the Metropolitan. Uh, one of the one of the best surprises in the league this year. They they. They kind of have that vibe about them like the Calgary Flames did at the start of last year and the Sens a few years prior to that. So, yeah. uh, again, it's can of what Colorado's offering them. I don't know if they can. And Columbus, we all know what Columbus offers. It's do they have defense? And I'm not so sure that they do. So if you ask me today which of those five teams the best chance of landing them, I'd say the Preds all the way. Yeah, it's interesting because of. Well, I feel like all five of these teams are capable of scoring, especially this year with Montreal, Nashville, and New Jersey. They've been able to score somehow, um, given their crop of players. Um, Ottawa, as well, as you can see, they're capable of it. And Columbus, Columbus and Ottawa have been capable of doing that last year when we watched them. Um, so I don't know. Um, yeah, that would be kind of scary. The thing is with defensive, as you were talking, defensemen, as you were talking about, is that um, not a lot of teams want to give up their young defensemen, and that's probably what the Colorado is looking for if they're going to trade a guy like Matt Duchesne. Um, you know, they want a guy... Um, who who's young enough to help them out in the future? Um, yeah. So, um, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I I, I don't know if I, sometimes I think I'm like I talking to myself. My response here. You seem to be hemming and hawing a lot. Yeah. The um the uh, yeah I do that from time to time. I feel like I say uh, all the time whenever I listen back to these podcasts. The, uh, yeah, it would be interesting. Nashville would be the most interesting because, A, because they're in the Central Division and they're in the same division, as well as the fact that if you remember in the 2012 draft, when the Colorado Avalanche got the first pick um, and they picked, and everyone thought they would pick the homegrown Seth, Seth Jones, Jones yeah. who was, you know, from uh, Colorado. Um, and then uh, they ended up picking Nathan McKinnon. Of course, nothing's wrong with Nathan McKinnon. He's probably the best in that draft class when all said and done. But it'd be interesting if Nashville decides to get Matt Duchesne. They might have to give up Seth Jones, um, which would be kind of I funny. I think it's either going to come down to Seth Jones or Ryan Ellis, one of the two. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, I think Nashville... There's no way they're going to trade Shea Weber. Yeah, or uh, Roman, Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi is probably the next big thing on defense, yeah. uh, not named John Klingberg. <laughs> so uh, I don't think they trade him. I think it's going to come down to a top four defense line, yeah. Seth Jones. And I'm looking, I'm looking at here, uh, Seth Jones is an RFA next year, so... Uh, yeah. So they might they may trade him, but again he's like a defenseman of the future. So 
Um, he's only 21 years old. Ryan Ellis is 24, but he's Ryan on a Ellis, long, longer Ryan Ellis is one of those guys that won't blow you away offensively, but he's a, a decent defensive defenseman. Yeah. So I, I, I would kind of lean towards him Ryan or Ellis. Seth Jones, to be honest. Yeah, I would lean toward if yeah if I was Colorado, I'd lean towards Ryan Ellis. But I mean, you can't go wrong either way. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it would be funny if they actually got Seth Jones yeah. after that 2012 it thing. Would, yeah. Um, uh, I think that's about it for Matt Duchesne, I believe. Um, all right, so yeah, let's talk about uh, speaking of the Colorado Avalanche, um, their captain. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog uh, kind of uh, cheap-shotted the most hated man in the National Hockey League, I would say. Um, <laughs> you sound a little biased there. <laughs> I, I actually... I actually, well, actually, although you called the most hated man in the NHL... Yeah. I, See, I, 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 I got it back. It was a cheap shot if you saw it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, I didn't see the video, but I saw, yeah. I saw a look... At the plate, just from the photo, the picture spoke a thousand words. It, it looked like a headshot. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of that. His head was the principal point of contact. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of the uh, Matt Cook on Savard. Matt it. Cook on Savard, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, I actually, I was actually away. I didn't actually get to see this play, uh, play live, but I did get to see it. And I should, I should mention that I... Landis, I do like Landis Gog. I do like Brad Marchand. Oh, yeah, so he's, he's, he's one of the most skilled players on yeah. the team, yeah. Um, I, there was this one game where I actually was there at where Lucic was trying to rile Landis Gog up and Landis Gog just wouldn't bother for some reason. <laughs> so I, I, I always admired, I always respected him after that. Um, but uh, so yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so he got Landis Gog got suspended two games for his hit on Marshawn. It looked it was pretty dirty, um, but uh, and Marshawn Marshawn. Um, so apparently, Landis Gog was going to say sorry to Marshawn, but uh-huh. but it was too late, and Marshawn yeah. punched him like sucker punched him right after. Um, luckily, both players are okay, but uh, I don't. It's kind of it's kind of strange to ask this question because. Uh, you didn't see it, but do you think that the punishments are fair? Yeah, I, I think I think the NHL I think the NHL got it right on both ends. I mean, obviously, if if uh, quote unquote the common courtesy, you know, very <laughs> Canadian way to say, "Sorry, bro, that was that was my bad." That right. just sucker punch. That's not very nice. You need to find him for that. And well, the NHL did exactly that with Brad Marchand, didn't. Or in suspension, because, you know, after you, you get a headshot, you know, probably wouldn't blame him if he was pissed off, but you still can't do that, and you still True. need to send a message. So buying him the maximum amount allowed under the CBA was the right move. And and two-game suspension, you know, just just to say, okay, set out these two games. Hopefully you learn from it. If you do it again, the, the assumption is you'll get suspended uh, again and probably for more time. So, yeah. Uh, Landis Cog doesn't. I don't know if he has a prior record. I, to my knowledge, I don't, I don't think, think he does. does. He does he hit does. a lot, though. No, no, he doesn't. Okay. But uh, he he does hit a lot, though. Yeah. Um. But yeah. The, the fact that you send him a two game suspension, you send him a message right away. That's what the NHL needs to do. You need to send a message early. 
uh, no matter what the track record is. And I, I, I think it was fair on both ends. Yeah, I agree. I think it's fair on both ends. It's one time where I feel like, I don't know, these kind of things are, uh, it's always interesting to see how the NHL calls it, because sometimes I think, like, I was surprised Marshawn, uh, there was a play against the Lightning where Marshawn, like, hit a guy on the boards, and I was surprised that Marshawn didn't get suspended for that. I think it was, I think it was Florida and was against Kulikov. Yeah, Kulikov. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah, I saw that, that play. I, yeah. I was shocked, too. I was surprised. I mean, I'm happy Marshawn still plays, but I, I, was, I was surprised that Marshawn didn't get... You thought for sure that warranted a suspension. Yeah, yeah, I thought that would have, would have been a suspendable offense. And um, Yeah, the thing about Marshawn is that, you know, he's a very skillful player. He had this uh, great assist... Like, he turned over a game uh, yesterday against the, uh, um... Brad Marchand yeah. has the ability of being an impact player when he wants it's just, to. It's just, sometimes and he just does this stupid stuff. And that's what annoys me about him the most. He doesn't have to do stuff like that, and he does it oh, he anyway. Does. I mean, yeah, you could say the same with Lucic and uh, Corey yeah. Perry. They're, they're clearly very skilled players, but they often do this kind of stuff where they try to get into other people's skin. So yeah. it oftentimes works, but like other times it's just like it either costs you a game or something like that. Sometimes um, getting under a person's skin is easy. It's just when they're not looking and you're on the bench and yeah. they're right next to you, just like squirt a water ball in their, uh, squirt some water in their general direction. That'll get their attention real quick and yeah. get under their skin probably. It, not just throwing a punch, you know. That's that's the kind of guys I like that are creative <laughs> and and do it subtly. And then when when the guy in question uh, realizes what's happening, he's like, "Did you just do that? No, I didn't see anything at all." Th- those are the crafty kind of people that I like. Yeah. I don't like the guys who go after guys with cheap shots. No, that, that, that well, I should me. I should mention that Landeskog was about to say sorry. He never actually said sorry, and it was the heat yeah. of the moment. So it's not like, I mean, like, yeah, so it's like, it's not like, like right after you hit someone, you're obviously really pissed off at that time, especially some, a guy like Marshawn, who, you know, he gets hot headed. So it's like, you know, you can't, you you know, it's (laughs) when you're in that moment, you can't just be like, oh, he said, sorry, I guess I I can't punch him anymore. Um, But yeah, I I agree with both these suspensions. I do like Landis Gog and Marshawn. I'm not biased. Um, at all, I should mention that before. Yeah, um, I know. I, I, that was just a playful jab. That's yeah, all. I know, I know. I just, just wanted to make sure. Um, yeah. Just for the record. Yeah, yeah for the record, exactly. Um, and then uh, I guess our last topic that we, uh, I mean, it's also speculation, much like the other topics we talked about. But uh, Guy Boucher, uh, he ended his contract. He's about. He's going to end his contract with uh, his Swiss team, SC Bern, for at the end of the season. He was the coach for the Lightning for three years. He made the Eastern Conference Finals and almost beat my Bruins. I was actually at that game seven, um, probably the best game I've been at. Uh, the Lightning missed the playoffs the season after and then got fired the next season after that. Uh, Boucher then went on to the Swiss League to coach for SC Bern, so there will be t- there there will be teams that are lining up to sign him this offseason. Maybe not to Babcock's level, but there will be teams that are willing to sign him. So where will he go? 
Well, if he lands an NHL head coaching gig, I can see him securing a spot with the Canadians coaching staff. Uh, he knows how to speak French, which, in case you didn't know, it's a huge requirement uh, for Habs bench bosses. Now, that being said, as for a head coach, that will only happen if Montreal bows out of the playoffs early and Michelle Therrien's future is being questioned. If he doesn't get that gig, he should easily get a chance in the NHL. It'll probably be as an assistant coach, but regardless of what team or what league, he'll, he won't be out of a job for long. He's going to find work, guaranteed. Yeah, this is tough to talk about right now just because I don't know exactly what coaching jobs will be available at the point. Yeah. Um, I could there, there will be teams lining up, as you said, for sure. There will definitely yeah. be teams interested. Uh, yeah, Montreal, I don't think, if Montreal continues the way that they are doing right now, I don't think they'll fire Therion. But, um, yeah, I could I could th- see the Bruins, if they don't make the playoffs this year, and fire, they end up firing Julian, and then they hire Guy Boucher. I'd be okay with that if that happens. Um Although, you know, Julian is a good coach, but who knows um, what's going to happen. Um, I, I'm trying to think of other teams that would, uh, like, maybe like the Ducks, um, if they continue to yeah. struggle. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's tough to see because it's like this is going to happen a- after this season. So we don't know who's going to be fired. So it's all like... I think, I think Mike Johnston... Uh, yeah, the the Penguins. Coach, I think that's that coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah, the Penguins. right now. If I the Pittsburgh Penguins that. have another rough season uh, that leads to an early playoff exit, I think he could be out the door. Yeah. Yeah, th- I think a lot of those teams that have like high expectations, like the Bruins, Ducks, and Penguins. And then they just falter. Yeah, again. and they just falter. So, um, it's the interesting thing about Guy Boucher, though, is that like he has that, like, doesn't he have that, like, system that, like, the Flyers... Um, figured out, and then after that, everyone. Oh yeah, was it? I think that was it. The one three one system or something. Yeah, like yeah. That? And then, um, like the Flyers just like held on to the puck, held on to the puck for like two minutes straight. Yeah. Um. So you would think though that since his time at uh, in Switzerland, he probably just, um, you know, he learned how to coach better, but. Uh, it is interesting. As I was trying to think of, like, is he more of a defensive-minded coach or an offensive-minded coach? I would say he's kind of, like, equal. But um, I also like the guy's uh, scar. So I may just I may just want the Bruins to have him just because of that scar. I know that's a silly reason. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so speaking of the Bruins, um, I guess we'll go on to our next topic um, where I'll talk about the Bruins. Um, yeah, so the Bruins only had two games. They, uh, lost to the, uh, Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we just played pathetic. Um, I was, I was just giving up on the fact that we were gonna, we just, we're never gonna win at home. Um, and then last night happened where we played Detroit. We actually played pretty well. Uh, Tuka Rask, uh, came, finally came back to form. Um, and then he beat, we beat the Red Wings three to one against Peter Morazic. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like same old, same old stuff where, you know, we're good one time and then we're bad the next time. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's a, it's a, it's, it's going to be a long season. I can tell, um, where like, so, you know, sometimes where I'm like really excited and then the next game I'm like. Uh, we, we lost. Why? Like, of, of course this team loses. 
But I guess that's what happens when you have a young defense um, and young forwards, too. But, you know, you also have guys like Petrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and Tuka Rask. Um, we also got uh, uh, Dennis Seidenberg, who was a week early. So, um, so that should be helpful for our defense that has been struggling lately. So um, that's good. I think the Ottawa also had two games this week, right? Uh, they had three. Um, oh, they had three. Uh, as a as a matter of fact, uh, after going goalless in his first fourteen games, Eric Carlson has now scored in each of his last three. While Zabanich has only scored twice this year and appears snake bit. Uh, getting to their first game, uh, they erupted for five goals against Nashville, but watched their three-one lead vanish out of thin air in the second period. Uh, did much better against Vancouver from a team standpoint. They earned a three-two regulation win. Wow. For a change, I can say a regulation win on home ice. And despite their best performance of the season against the Rangers, they fell 2-1 in a shootout, a result that keeps their win total against American clubs at the Canadian Tire Center at zero. They have not beaten an American team at home this year. All three wins have come against Canadian clubs, those being the uh, Winnipeg Jets, Calgary Flames, and more recently the Canucks. Um... On the plus side, they have earned at least a point in five of their past six, about as impressive as their three-on-three display against the Blue Shirts on Saturday. And like I said before, if they continue to improve as a team, they won't need a Matt Yeah. Um, are you? I never actually talked about it. Are you for or against Matt Duchesne on the Senators? It's, it's a case where, you know what, if it's at the right price and he makes us better, go for it. But it's not... A situation where we absolutely gotta have this guy, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, you guys have young guys like uh, Hoffman and Stone, so um, yeah. And they also have Matt Pumble and Shane Jack. Prince coming up the wire too. And yeah. and they, they they have a lot of good young defensive prospects that I I don't want to I don't want to see them part ways with just yet. They still have Patrick Weirkosh. They have Jared Cowan, who's Play a bit better this year. Uh, they have Chris Weidman in the lineup. They have Freddie Clayson developing in the minors. They have Thomas Shabbat, who they drafted uh, in the draft this past offseason. So they have a lot of up-and-coming defensemen on the way. And I would hate to see him give up a good prospect like that just for another top six forward who we hope is going to develop into a top six forward. That's why we got Bobby Ryan to develop his his skills as a top six forward. And now all of a sudden you're in the market for another top six forward. It just doesn't make any sense. Trust the guys that you have. And I think over time, um, if, if they trust their guys more as they, as they learn to, as they learn to succeed in Dave Cameron's system on a nightly basis, that's going to come. They just need to do it consistently. Once they do that, as we saw last year, they're going to be very, very tough to play against. Yeah, uh, yeah, it seems very similar to the Bruins, where we have a lot of young guys. Yeah, a lot of hot and cold. Nights. Yeah, and, and then just inconsistency. But you know that they're, what they're capable of, which makes it even more frustrating when they lose to um, teams. Yeah, especially when they get a lead and the other team storms back like Nashville did. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, yeah. So the uh, I'm just looking at the schedule here, Ottawa. Plays Detroit tomorrow on Monday. Um, 
then they play Columbus and then they on Thursday and then they play Philadelphia on Saturday all home games um, and all of them I think are winnable yeah like although Detroit's been kind of slumping a little bit Columbus is yeah Columbus they're still starting to find their stride in Philadelphia outside of Voracek and Drew like they were able to win on Saturday but it was in overtime against Carolina, so they're barely going to wins too, uh, and they're under. They're being taught under a head coach that hasn't really gotten that much NHL experience. In fact, he, I would argue, he has none, because uh, he was coaching at uh, the University of North Dakota last year, oh, yeah, and then several still, yeah. years after that, he's developed a lot of good players, but not at the NHL level. So. Yeah, it's been an interesting um, experiment for them. I think these games but... are winnable, and, and they're gonna they're gonna have to step up if they can take these next three and actually beat some American teams for a change. Um, I think you're really gonna see this team take off. This is a defining home stand for them. Uh, they got off to a decent start. They need to keep going. Are they still uh, good in the home stand, or because I remember that was a. Uh... Well, they... They, they've earned a point, and they've earned their point in the first two meetings of this homestand, and uh, all three of these games are home, and then they go on the road for a couple of crucial tilts. Right. So those home those home games, they really need to take advantage of. Yeah, the Bruins have uh, three more home games this week. Uh, we played uh, San Jose at home on Tuesday. Uh, we had their draft pick, so it's it's like one of those. Um, if we beat them, it's good for us. Even more good for us. Welcome um, home, Martin Jones. Yeah, yeah. We hardly knew you. We hardly knew you. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to do like a tribute to him. Um, <laughs> the one day tribute. Yeah, the one day tribute to him. Um, yeah, then they have, uh, then we play Minnesota on Thursday, and then we play Toronto yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Minnesota looks tough. Um, Toronto even looks tough with uh, how James Rammer is playing. So um, it should be. Then um, they're all home games too. So especially without our home games, so I feel like um, they won't have to deal with Kessel anymore. Yeah, we won't have to deal with Kessel anymore. That's true. We don't have to deal with the thank you Kessel kind of chance, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, we don't. We also don't have. Um, but like Toronto has, they've uh, they've been pretty good lately. So, um. and, and the, Mike Babcock said this about Nassim Kadri, about him being their best forward. He's only scored once, but apparently he's got seventy plus shots on net. That's oh, wow. a lot of shots. Yeah, I think I saw that. Like and, and he's he's just been really like unlucky, Kadri, right? Who's in a contract here yeah. too. Yeah, I heard that he's just like he's just really unlucky. Um, yeah, they're playing the Rangers right now. It's tied three three. Um, oh. I believe Jonathan Bernier is playing after he got injured. So um, yeah, and they're facing and he's facing uh, the Rangers. Back yeah, back who at, the Rangers who have won eight straight. So, um, yeah. but hey, yeah. But yeah, the uh, yeah. So I'm 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 kind of I'm actually kind of worried about Toronto, but I mean I should probably be more worried about Minnesota and San Jose. They're, they're kind of one of the below 500 teams that you don't want to play right now. They're, they they they've mm. kind of gone on summer roll. They beat Dallas yeah. twice this year. They beat Nashville in overtime, 
And yeah, then, we mentioned that. And they, they beat Vancouver. Reimer was pretty good there, and now they're tied with the Rangers. So. Yeah, and then they... um. Oh, yeah, we should mention that the Rangers uh, have won eight straight, too, I think. Um, yeah, been you, you did mention that previously, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, oh, yeah, and we also, so we played Toronto on Saturday, and then we, it's a home-and-home, home kind of, because on Monday we played Toronto again. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I think that's it for the week. Uh, there was a lot of speculation this week, and I don't think there was too much going on, but uh, <laughs> we got it done, I guess, so. Yeah, and we shall wait and see what the next week brings on the speculation front. Until then, I'm Stephen Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And we will see you in Episode 9 of the Lace Podcast. Oh.